kids are going to stay with us in the service this morning because we knew that most of it would be the baptism and we want them to be here for that. Uh, if you do have your kids and you need a bit of space, that room in the back is totally available to you. So don't hesitate to use that if that's helpful for you. Uh, but don't worry either about disrupting things. We know the kids are here and we're glad they're here. So. Psalm 145 is a beautiful psalm, and it opens up in those first three verses, if you've got it in front of you, with an incredible doxology, a song of worship. Uh, And so you can look at those first three verses again, you see them, I will extol you, my God, my King, I will bless you. It's, it's, It's addressing God himself, and it's an incredible song, declaration of worship. And a commitment on the heart of the psalmist. And so today as a church, as we read it, we commit to turn our hearts towards God in a posture of worship. After that opening doxology or that song of worship that is so packed, so full of of a deep understanding, it's not kind of fluffy worship. It's profound what's being said here. And there's a confidence in it. As the psalmist declares it, he then moves into and leads us into verses 4, 5, and 6, where I want to look for a moment together. And he shares sort of the heart and the commitment that he and the congregation are making to teach this song to the next generation. So it opens up with a doxology, and then he immediately moves into this space. Verse 4 says, One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts. So having sort of declared the mighty works of God and who he is, then the psalmist says, And I in this congregation... The people of God will commit to commend this song, to commend this confidence, this good news, this truth to the next generation. I think a good question could be asked, and sometimes we skip over this, and we we kind of think that because our kids are in with us, that that's enough, that they'll just pick up the song by osmosis. And I think there's some reality to that. Um, I've talked to some of you when you've heard prayers come up and your kids' ears perk up, you know. It's been a long time that when Living Hope came on, James would, you know, write it. There, there's a sense in which that's, there's some truth to that, just being a part of the community. But friends, they will not learn the depth, the joy, the richness, the life-transforming power of this song if we don't teach them that song. Chances are good they won't just pick it up because of their proximity to it. We actually have a a responsibility, but an incredible honor and privilege to teach this song, to commend the works of God to the next generation. And so then in verse 5, the psalmist goes on to say, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. Friends, if we're going to teach the song to the next generation, we need to know it well. And so the psalmist says, we commit to pass this on to the next generation, but in the very next verse, he commits in his own heart to be one who will sing the song regularly, who will take time to think upon God and on the works of God, to consider and to practice the song, to meditate upon these things, to think about who God is and what he's done in your life, and to be the kinds of people who don't suddenly have to realize, oh, I have the next generation in front of me, what do I want to say? but who have, who have kind of like so saturated in this song that we, we, it just comes out of us. It comes out of us in our life, in our parenting, in our leading, in our teaching, in our interactions, and in our care. 
And the, and the fruit then in verse 6 and 7, the psalmist goes on to say, if we get these things, this commitment, and begin to meditate on that song together, then they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. And I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Friends, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, could easily be thought of this way. It's like a song that gets passed down from generation to generation. It's a song we learned, and now we teach our kids to sing. We'll sing of the righteousness of God, of how incredible he is, and of what he's done in our lives. In many ways today, as we come to the waters of baptism, and particularly as a family brings their children to the waters of baptism, they are, and we as a church are, in this moment, singing the song. We are teaching them. I've loved watching how Tom and Lauren have so intentionally walked with their kids up until today to practice, to get ready, to the point at which when I got a text from Lauren this morning, she said, we are all very excited over here this morning. So the kids are being discipled, brought in even through the sacrament of baptism in a spiritual way, but in a very tangible way, into the good news of Jesus. But at the same time, they are also in this action, in this sacrament, committing to be the kind of parents and the kind of family who continue to teach their kids this song. That what happens here today in the waters of baptism is not sort of a journey summed up, finished. It's an incredibly important moment in their journeys with Jesus. And one that will continue to bear fruit as Tom and Lauren and as we as the church Teach them that song. Friends, I'm so thankful for all of you as parents. I think the role that you have in your kid's life is incredibly profound. It's an incredible privilege and an honor, but it's one that we pray for you in because it's not easy. It's a task that when you begin to hear it articulated, you realize, wow, I need to meditate. I need to continually sing that song. I need to know of the grace and the goodness and the care and the strength of God in my life if I'm even to think for a moment that I could teach this song to my children in the realities of their lives and what lies ahead of them. I'm also very thankful for our church as a whole and the way that you love our children, and especially for those of you who serve them in our children's programming and those kinds of things. Uh, what an incredibly important role you have in our community. And so bless you, know that we pray for you too. As you teach our kids who God is, oh, that our kids would grow up with a confidence, a confident answer to that question. Who is God? I know him. That they would know who he is, that they would know what he's like, that they would know what he's done, both in the grand story, but friends, my prayer is they would always be learning what he's done in their lives, in your life, in our life together. Leading them ultimately into an encounter with Jesus. Over and over, deeper and deeper. The psalm goes on in verses 8 and 9 to just break out again in doxology. The psalmist, as he writes this psalm and calls himself and us into these places, can't help but just keep breaking out in worship. It's like, as he's teaching and calling us to it, we're seeing exactly what it looks like. And so verses 8 and 9, he continues in doxology. 
In verses 10 to 13, he continues in doxology, but I want to point out this verse where he says, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Our kids are not in trouble. Your kids, our kids were not born into a really difficult time in the sense of God's perspective. His kingdom continues from generation to generation. God has always been in control, and he's still in control. Boy, some days that's hard to remember. And so I speak that out, and certainly, Tom and Lauren, for you guys as a family today to remember that God is sovereign, and he's got you, and he's got your kids. Friends, finally, I want to encourage you then to think about what it is to become familiar with this song and to sing this song. If you start in verse 14 of this, of this psalm, the psalmist really begins to lean into it in a personal way. The Lord upholds all who are falling. Have you ever been in a moment in your life where you felt like you were falling? Tell that story to your kids and your grandkids. Why not? Because, it's a, because ultimately it's not a story about your falling, it's about the story about why you didn't end up and stay on your face. Right? Because the Lord upholds those who are falling. And he raises up all who are bowed down. Adam sent me, Adam is uh, kind of agreed to send me uplifting pictures of Theoden throughout the week every once in a while. It always makes my day because <laughs> the kid's just full of joy and they seem to come at these great times but he sent me a video this week of him kind of melting down in the middle of his corral. Theoden has a lot of energy so they've literally kind of put up barriers and they put him in there but he hates it because when he's in there he's not with you so he just wants to be with people so he's just losing it and the video is Adam slowly walking over to film the reaction of Theoden seeing him come. And he, he kind of cries and he looks up and he stops crying and then he just does this to the railing thing. He just goes with his head. His head hits the little railing. I texted Adam back and I said, thanks for that. I said, I think him and I are having the same kind of day today. <laughs> the Lord raises up those who are bowed down. Those who, those who are just feeling heavy. The eyes of all that look to you and give them their, you give them their food in due season. The Lord provides for us. Our children need to watch that process. They need to learn that God is a provider. I won't keep going because I said I'd be short. And you've all got this psalm. But to sit in it, and even this morning as we continue through the baptisms, but through this week as you go to consider your own children, your old grandchildren, the children that are in our church and that God's brought into your life, those of you who teach in schools or who come alongside neighbor kids, to just recognize the incredible honor and opportunity that's in front of you as you love on children, to teach them the song, that they would more and more come to know who God is uh, and what he's done and wants to do in their lives. Amen? Amen.